You are tuned to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now present Living Eucharist with Kathleen Beckman. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Welcome, dear friends, to this week's Living Eucharist program. As she said, my name is Kathleen Beckman, and I am blessed to be your host for the next 55 minutes. You know, this program explores the many facets of Eucharistic life in the Church. We know that the Eucharist is the source and summit of the Catholic faith, and that we draw our life from, uh, in Christ from it. Our family was traumatized by a violent murder of our father at our place of business many years ago. It was through the Eucharistic life that our wounds were healed from that trauma. Not only did I run to daily Mass for some consolation after the murder of our beloved father, but I remained in prayer afterward before the tabernacle or the monstrance for hours. I poured my heart out to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament during those holy hours. Then one day during prayer, I felt the Lord prompt me to pray for the murderer with the words he prayed from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This was very difficult for me, but since I was so desperate to recover my peace of soul, to recover a sense of well-being after the trauma of the murder, I prayed for mercy upon the murderer. It was a big grace given to me. Only then did my peace and joy return. The murderer was never apprehended by the police though the case aired on America's Most Wanted TV program. But the amazing lesson I learned from Christ in the Eucharist was the healing power of forgiveness. The Lord helped me to understand that he does not want to lose anyone, that he is the arbitrator of justice, but that his greatest attribute is divine mercy. It was through the Eucharistic life of the Church that I received such healing. Friends, every Mass, is a healing Mass. The Eucharist is the remedy for everything. Again, I say for everything that ails us. Turn to the Eucharist. Go to Mass as often as possible. Sit before the tabernacle or the monstrance and let our good Jesus heal and bless you. You know, this intro that I just gave has really nothing to do with the guest or subject that we have today, but I was really prompted by the Holy Spirit to share this story with you. Perhaps there was someone out there who's listening who really needed to hear a story of mercy. So I just thank God for the grace and just for the grace to be able to be with you and share the journey with you. Today, dear friends, God has blessed us with another very esteemed guest, Dr. Brian Kelly, who is the dean of a great Catholic uh, college called Thomas Aquinas here in California, and it's the vigil of St. Thomas Aquinas, which we celebrate tomorrow. We're going to be talking about this great doctor of the Church and many other interesting things from his point of view on the college scene. So I want to welcome you in, Dr. Brian Kelly. Oh, thank you very much, Kathleen. Um... I'm delighted to be speaking with you today, and to all of your listeners, I'm really struck at how many beautiful parts of the country are represented by your listeners. I heard Louisiana, Mississippi, Ohio, Wisconsin, Kentucky, um, and I'm speaking from sunny Southern California, and I'm <laughs> feeling a little bit guilty about how nice it is outside, uh, but I'll, I'll make so bold as to ask you to pray for some some rain, some healing rain out here. We're suffering a drought, and prayer can make a big difference there. But I did want to say, too, 
I was struck listening to your introduction at just how appropriate it was. Um, in oh, reflecting on St. Thomas Aquinas, um, he's, he's, a, he's a great soul in the Church who was in love with God's mercy and who really, uh, mm. really loved to think about God who, who, um, <clears throat> who wanted to forgive everyone and who went so far as to, uh, to die on the cross so that he could pour forth his mercy. I thought that was very appropriate. Well, thank you. Thank you, Brian, for saying that. I, I see the connection, yes, indeed. Well, um, before we begin the program, I would love to invite you to lead us in a prayer, please. Absolutely. And I thought it'd be a, a good thing on the eve of the Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas to say a prayer that he wrote. Thank you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Grant me, O Lord my God, a mind to know you, a heart to seek you, wisdom to find you, conduct pleasing to you, faithful perseverance in waiting for you, and the hope of finally embracing you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful prayer. And um, everything about St. Thomas Aquinas is is extraordinarily beautiful, and so I want to. I look forward to sharing more about him. But first, I'd like to share uh, with our listeners a little bit about your background to give God the glory, because in reading what how God has led you along the journey, uh, Brian, I see. I just thank him because he has really given you many special graces, and you've been um, truly blessed by the Church, and you are a blessing for the Church. So, dear friends, our esteemed guest today is Dr. Brian Kelly. And after he graduated from Thomas Aquinas College in 1988, Dr. Kelly earned a master's degree and a doctorate in medieval studies at the University of Notre Dame, where he studied under the renowned Catholic philosopher Ralph, and how do you pronounce that? Ralph McInerney. He was McInerney. McInerney, that's right. He was uh, an old standby on EWTN, though he's been dead for a few years. Oh, okay. And uh, upon completing uh, his graduate work, Dr. Kelly returned to his alma mater as a member of the teaching faculty. And I appreciate, in your own words, I want to share with the listeners, in, in doctor's words, he says, I always saw the position of a tutor at Thomas Aquinas College as the best job in America because you get to pursue the truth in a way that is very fulfilling to the soul with good people and with people who already have a sense as to where the truth lies. And he said, uh, and I quote, I thought it was a way that I could make a difference in the world one student at a time. And I do want to share that Dr. Kelly grew up in Indiana and Illinois, along with 13 other siblings, <laughs> praise God, including praise his God. brother, yes, Reverend Brendan Kelly, now a priest in the Diocese of Lincoln, Nebraska. Wow. Yeah. Um, it was a while, he was while a student at the college that Dr. Kelly first met his wife, Karen, a classmate in Dr. McLean's sophomore philosophy section, and the couple have six children and live in Santa Paulo. Now, people, you may be thinking, well, what does a dean do? And, and so it, on the website it tells us that as a dean, he supervises the college's program of Catholic liberal education. He assigns tutors to their classes and is responsible for the general welfare and discipline of the students. He chairs the instruction and curriculum committees and oversees a wide range of college programs from student activities and alumni relations to the chaplaincy and faculty hiring. So that's a lot. <laughs> 
Yeah, and he occasionally gives radio interviews. Yes, <laughs> that's a nice thing to be to be blessing such a, a wide audience here. Yeah. So I thank you for taking time for doing that, uh, Brian. I appreciate it. So um, I would love to have to start with you are the uh, you have thirteen siblings. That's right. So that's can right. you share a little bit about your Catholic family life? You know, I, I was struck listening to you just at how many ways God has blessed me through the years, but it really did all start with being born into a good, solid Catholic family. Mm. And I was mm. the youngest. I'm the baby. Uh, so I, I'm spoiled rotten. But, <clears throat> but one, of, one of the things that I say have to say is a blessing is that my parents um, had made a certain number of mistakes by the time they got to me. But one of the mistakes they made was trusting um, to the established Catholic colleges and universities. Mm. So they, they found that um, at a certain point, they were sending their kids off to college just trusting that they were receiving the same education that they themselves had received. Oh. And one by one, the kids were coming home and, and cracks were showing in their faith. Yeah. And this came at a time of great turbulence in the, in the 60s. And in response to this, and in response to the the growing challenges uh, of the culture of death, my father was a doctor, and he saw Roe versus Wade coming. Oh. Um, in response to all of that, there was a real challenge to them to deepen their faith and to reexamine the importance of education, and they started taking tremendous care in where they sent their kids. Uh, looking very carefully at what kind of religious education programs were being used. But also, they took that as a moment uh, to turn to, to the practice of daily Mass and communion. And so at a certain point, when I was about four or five, my parents said, we're going to start going to daily Mass. And that made a tremendous difference in my life. And you were four or five when they started taking you to daily Mass? That's right. That's oh, right. how beautiful. You know, I want to say to the listeners that may be, may be uh, thinking about that, we had a speaker here in our diocese, and he's a priest, and he was sharing how, well, it's um, Father Karcher, the son, you may know him. Oh, Carl Karcher's son. Uh, uh, yes, oh, Carl Karcher's son, yes. He was Father talking Jerry Karcher, is that right? Yes, yes, that's right. And he was saying um, that when... He was sharing his testimony at a prayer breakfast. He, he shared that his family would take all of their children to Mass every day as well. And he remembers sitting in the front row and all of the family sitting there, and that it impacted his life greatly. The other thing he shared, which I really appreciated, was that the Carl Karcher always blessed the children as they left the house. He gave their, the Father's blessing, which is, I think, a beautiful practice for, for men to do. That's right, and to this day, my father is still alive. He's going to be 93 in May, uh, and every time I see him, when, I, when he's going off to bed, I ask him for a blessing, <gasps> he still does that. Wow, that's wonderful. That is so wonderful. You know, for our listeners, these, things, these blessings, these kind of, these are really powerful things. They really do mean a lot. The, uh, in the spiritual life, they bless us, I think, more than we realize. Because, um, you know, if we don't have them, there's, there's almost like a void that is created. So it's, it's very much um, a beautiful grace to receive blessing from our parents, right? That's right. That is so true. Mm-hmm. So can you speak a little bit about your brother who's a priest? 
it, my brother Brendan, uh, Father Brendan Kelly. He's a he's a great um, he's a great story. He was um, he's the reason I got interested in coming to Thomas Aquinas College because he's a little bit older than I am, and he's brilliant. He's extremely smart. And growing up, the one thing I knew was that uh, he knew everything. And when he was a senior in high school, he had almost a full ride to go to MIT. And he was determined to go to MIT. Uh, But when he found out about Thomas Aquinas College, and he found out what he could do there, uh, on a dime, he just changed his mind and said no thank you to MIT, and came to a, a small, fairly new college uh, on the opposite coast, and submitted himself to a four-year program of intense reading and discussion, and has never looked back. And he was determined to be a scientist, and it was only through the experience of um, a formation at Thomas Aquinas College that he was ultimately led uh, to give his life to God. That's a beautiful story. That is so, oh, I'm so mm-hmm. glad that he followed the grace um, yeah. to to come to TAC, that in that and be immersed in such a Catholic environment. For our listeners who may not have an understanding of TAC, could you share a little bit about the the um, genesis of the school and and the environment of the school now? Yeah, in 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 the '60s, uh, the founders of Thomas Aquinas College were heavily involved in higher education. And they were um, they were really distressed at what was happening in Catholic higher education. So many of the the old stalwarts uh, were handing uh, over the reins of power um, to lay boards and were changing the focus of of their institutions uh, to aim at greater worldly success and recognition, and almost treat the faith as a kind of embarrassing attachment. Um, and they thought that was backwards, that Christ is the source of all truth, and so we shouldn't be ashamed of our attachment and our submission to Christ and His Church, but we should take that as a starting principle. So with with no uh, hope of worldly success, but just trusting to God, they they sat down together and thought, what should a good, solid Catholic liberal education look like? And they came up with a plan, and when they had come up with a plan, they thought, well, let's give it a try, see if God wants this to work. And there were a lot of twists and turns, and there were a lot of times when it looked like this just can't happen. Um, But uh, back in, I think, 1969 or 70, they had their first fundraising dinner, and the keynote speaker was Archbishop Fulton Sheen, and that got things off to a great start. And they were able to raise enough money to start, and by the grace of God, they've been able to um, to continue. And we've been blessed along the way with uh, so many signs of God's uh, God's being pleased with what we're doing. And I think the first sign of it is that we're still here. <laughs> Praise yeah, be to yeah. God. <laughs> but along the way, we've been visited by some really wonderful guests. Um, Recently, we've uh, we've hosted uh, Cardinal Lorenzi and Archbishop Willet. Uh You go back a little while, and um, uh, let's see, 
Mother Teresa is about the most famous guest we've had. Oh, and tell us about that. Yeah, we're Father, very Now blessed. you've got to share a little bit about Mother Teresa with us there. That's right. It was in the very early 1980s, and Father John Harden, a wonderful Jesuit, um, yes. was good friends with the college, but also uh, one of Mother's uh, spiritual advisors. And so he very kindly uh, offered uh, to talk to her about whether or not she'd be willing to come and visit us. And she, she was such a grace and blessing. She came and gave our commencement address. I think it was 1981. And uh, if you look on our website, you could, you could see some videos of her when she visited. But she was who she was, just a wonderful, warm, earnest child of God, and, and it was so great to get to see her. Well, you mentioned your website. Could you give that to our listeners now? Yeah, that is www.thomasaquinas.edu. And that's been a real blessing. We, that's been up and running for about 10, 12 years, and so many uh, donors and students have found us on the website. And if I could tell a quick story... One of, one of the most striking ones, there was a, a young man from China who was a card-carrying member of the Communist Party and an atheist, and he found us on the Internet. And he was really struck at one line, which is straight out of the Gospel, that the truth will set you free. Mm. And good atheist that he was, he still thought that's true. If I could learn the truth, that's going to set me free. And so he applied, and we're, uh, you know, we're a very strong Catholic college, but we will accept non-Catholics, though so, you know, much the majority of our students are Catholic. Mm-hmm. And so he came and was like a duck out of water at first. He, um, he caused some waves because when he arrived, he was a fan of the one-child policy in China, which isn't a really popular uh, thing around here. Right. But over time, he slowly uh, came to the fullness of the truth, and he converted at the end of his junior year. And he spent, I think, about nine years in seminary, hoping Ooh. to become a priest. And he finally uh, felt the call to married life. He he met a wonderful young Catholic Chinese girl, and so he's no longer in the seminary. But it's been a, a wonderful story with him, and he found us on the Internet. That, well, I mean, and that's the beauty of the Internet when, uh, for Christ. If you, you know, it, go, it reaches people that we would never imagine because people can, can find you on there. And so it's very important to have a presence there. And what a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. We need good Catholic dads and family men, you know. So, that's right. Um, <laughs> and that's he certainly true. knew the faith after nine years of seminary. And that's so, true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. God bless them. Yes, I'm sure. So do you have a, a good number of students that come from other countries? You know, we, we, uh, we do. We're um, mostly from the United States, but we get a good number from Canada, mm-hmm. and we have, uh, we have students from South America. We have some from Argentina, uh, Uruguay. Uh, we have a young man from Nigeria now. Um, a young man from uh, the Canary Islands. So people hear about us from far and wide, and uh, we do have representation from many of the continents. That's wonderful. Now, could you share a little bit about how these students 
at, at TAC. They're, I, I've seen some of the uh, videos lately of them, and I know they were just recently, some of them were on EW10. Can you share with our listeners how they are impacting the culture? Yeah, no, mm-hmm. yeah that, I think one thing you might be thinking of is uh, at Christmas time, right before Christmas, um, about a third of our student body uh, got together and organized themselves in preparation uh, for an event at the local mall. And they went, um, and there was, the, there was a setup at the mall with Santa Claus and things like that. And just, they milled around, and out of the blue, they just began to sing Christmas carols that were, of course, focused on Christ and the, the true meaning of Christmas. And it was um, just an infectious event. It was really kind of funny to see Santa Claus hop up and start joining in and swinging his arms. And and the, the video of that was um, went onto YouTube, and Raymond Arroyo picked it up and showed a little clip of it on his show. And if you get a chance, uh, just, you know, Google it on YouTube. It's, uh, it's Thomas Aquinas College flash mob that should, that should pull it up. And it's just striking how much joy there is in those songs and in our students' hearts. And, and you know, Christmas is, is uh, it's about Christ. It's not about Santa Claus. It's not about presents. And it was really nice to see that message underscored by joyful young people. Absolutely, and I recommend, dear listeners, I recommend pulling that up on YouTube, Flash Mob, because it is it will bring a smile to your face. It, I got goosebumps just watching it, and I know it's it's been very popular on YouTube, right? I think there have been 40,000 watches, mm-hmm. which boggles my mind, because <laughs> I only watched it 20,000 times. <laughs> you and your family. <laughs> That's right, we enjoyed it. <laughs> it is a joy to watch. It's, uh, I congratulate the students, and, and it speaks volumes of, of the kind of formation and the spirit that they have, you know, it, from the college there as well. And then uh, on they, uh, some of the students were on um, EWTN TV, right? Yeah. Um, th- there was a recent episode of Life on the Rock that featured um, uh, Brian and Kathleen Murphy. Uh, Brian's a senior, Kathleen's a sophomore. Uh, because they were um, involved in a movie called The War of the Vendée uh, by Mr. Morlino, who uh, who works, uh, I think he did a Bernadette movie, and then he did The War of the Vendée, and he works with a homeschooling community uh, back in, in Connecticut, and does a great job of drawing wonderful performances out of these young people, and, and really focusing attention on some beautiful moments in history. Uh, beautiful and sometimes tragic moments in history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if you get a chance, it's worth watching uh, that episode. It's available on EWTN.com, but also look out for those those films about Bernadette and the War of the Vendée. Uh, but we, yes. uh, I oh, want yes. to say just a, a few words about um, the education here is really intense, and it's mm-hmm. very focused on, on um, the great, deep, questions that man has to ask. And we ask a lot of our students. They work very hard. But I'm always struck that, that uh, their, their goodwill overflows into beautiful uh, actions. Uh, we have a good number of students who um, are involved in the Legion of Mary. Uh, there's Eucharistic adoration daily. 
uh, heavy attendance at, at Mass. Um, and very recently, and, and every year around this time, a good number of our students uh, drive seven hours to go to the West Coast Walk for Life up in San Francisco. Oh. This year it was three busfuls uh, that went, oh. and they're, they're just very much in love with the gospel of life, and they want to, uh, they want to go and testify. And it's really something to see, see young people doing that in a group, young people encouraging each other uh, to bear testimony to the goodness of God's creation. And uh, can, I, can I share one quick story? Because your story at the beginning made me think of, um, of one of our students that we lost a couple of years ago. Please. Uh, his name was Andrew Kent Moore, and he, um, he was very moved in his high school years uh, by the plight of the babies that are lost uh, by abortion. And so he, um, he, as a student here, worked so hard through the course of the year, but then in the summer he decided to join a group called Crossroads mm-hmm. and walk across the, the nation bearing testimony to the importance of the unborn. And one early morning, they had reached, I think they started in San Francisco, and they were going to D.C., and in Indiana, he was walking, and I think the sun had just come up along a highway, and there was a tragic accident, and he was struck and killed. Um, oh, and and so, you know, that was, that was you know, God, God knows when we're all supposed to go, and that was Kent's time, but it really... Uh, it struck a chord with so many uh, people around the country and, of course, with our own students and drew them out to a renewed, um, a renewed effort to bear testimony to life. But one thing that I was really struck with was his family, the very beautiful family. Mm-hmm. And they, um, they didn't just think of themselves. Uh, a year after the accident, they went to meet with the driver and invite him to come out to the spot where Kent was killed and to express to him the importance of God's mercy and forgiveness and that they didn't blame him and that they had love for him in their heart. And I was really um, just powerfully moved by that and wanted to, wanted to mention that. That's, oh. one of our, that's one of our distinguished alumni, Kent Moore. Oh, wonder. what a beautiful and inspiring story. My goodness. And his family... First of all, I just think, you know, he was a, you know, a, what, what a beautiful gift that he gave his life in a way, you know, for, uh, fighting for the, for the unborn. And right. uh, so what a powerful intercessor he is for yeah. that cause of life. And then his family as vessels of divine mercy for that driver, you know, what a healing yeah. act, that merciful, uh, bringing him out there to the accident where all the trauma was. Because we can only imagine, you know, uh, something like that happening. And it is very traumatic, and it takes a lot, but God does give his healing grace if we will flow with that grace, if we accept it and we don't harden our hearts. Mm-hmm. to be unforgiving, um, you know, and just uh, surrender to the grace. God will bring us through those traumas, that's for sure. But what a beautiful, that is, he should be honored as one of your alumni. What a beautiful, yeah. beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, your words there really move me to think about the Our Father, where we mm-hmm. say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So 
So you, I can only aspire to be that forgiving because I want to be forgiven that much. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We, it's when we are aware that we have received God's mercy that we are able to extend it to others, that's for sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so that would be a good segue to our saint that we're looking forward to celebrating tomorrow. Can we talk a little bit about Thomas Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas, the great doctor of the Church? And for some listeners, they may not be familiar with him. Could you speak a little bit about how, how did he end up being the patron of the college? Well, he ended up being the patron of the college mostly because, um, you know, all of our all of our founders were so intent to um, to follow the magisterium of the church, and especially in, in the last 130 years, uh, St. Thomas has been held up as a model and a guide in the intellectual life. Uh, you know, I just want to share with you some of the names that have been given to St. Thomas by the popes. Uh, he's been called the common doctor, the angelic doctor. Pope Paul VI called him the light of the church model of teachers, a master in the art of thinking. Uh, Benedict XV called him uh, the saintliest of the learned, and Blessed John Paul II gave him a really striking name, the Doctor of Humanity, uh, because oh. of his openness to learn from, from all men. Um, so he, he's been held up as a, a real model in the intellectual life. He's a patron of students and teachers, and in the long... Um, history of the Church since the 13th century, the Church has relied on him very heavily in developing her theology. Uh, and I, it's wonderful to talk about it on the, the Living Eucharist, uh, because he was responsible for so much of the development of the Church's teaching on the Eucharist and theology of the Eucharist. Uh, and he was a saint who was in love with the Eucharist. Um, he would begin every morning by saying Mass, and then when he finished saying Mass, he would attend another Mass. And eyewitnesses spoke of him at his canonization hearings, and they said when he received our Lord in the Eucharist, he would just weep. He loved our Lord. Uh, and when you go to benediction, you're sure to hear uh, one of the hymns that St. Thomas wrote about um, about our Lord in the Eucharist, the Tantum Ergo. So he's, he's really a wonderful patron of, of the Eucharist, uh, but he was very uh, universal in his interest. And so he taught um, uh, about all aspects of Catholic theology. So he's a real wonderful resource um, when, when thinking about how to learn and how to teach. And so, you know, they, they naturally, quite naturally, look to him as a guide and a patron. And, um, and so that's what led to them not only taking his name, but also building the curriculum uh, around an orientation towards theology as, as really the pinnacle of human learning. Yes, and, you know, I want to say to the listeners, sometimes I think... Average, pers- uh, average Catholic in the pew may be thinking, or maybe we have non-Catholic listeners, but, you know, I have been enriched by picking up and reading his writings and the writings of the saints and reading the lives of the saints and reading their reflections uh, frequently in the Liturgy of the Hours. We have reflections by St. Thomas Aquinas, and I think it's so important <clears throat> in 
in our spiritual journey to pick up these works of the saints and really just dive into them and not to be intimidated by, you know, you may be thinking, well, I'm not an academic, you know, but these things really touch the heart and they are, you know, they have endured and they can enrich our spiritual lives, our interior lives. They can augment our prayer life in such a beautiful way. So I just really encourage everyone to pick up the the writings of these uh, great saints that have been like pillars in our church, uh, because that you will be blessed by them. Right, Brian? That is so true. And if I could just make a little bit of an unusual recommendation, because when you started talking, I thought, well, I've got to think of a good book to recommend. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm going to recommend an app. Uh, oh. It's a wonderful app called IPATA, and it's got an incredible amount of spiritual treasury. It's got uh, a lot of prayers. It's got a lot of the writings of the popes, of the councils, and of the great saints and doctors. But in particular, what, what you said struck me. It's got um, a, a book by St. Thomas Aquinas called the Catena Aurea, or Golden Chain, where he gathers together uh, quotations from the church fathers and doctors going right through the Gospels. So he'll, you've got a passage of the Gospel, and then he'll tell you what the different fathers and doctors said about that passage. And I just find it so helpful to use that when thinking about the, the daily Gospel. So, uh, you know, you can look up what's the reading for today, and then you can spend 20 minutes looking at the Catena Aurea and seeing what so many different fathers and doctors thought about that passage, and it really provides a wonderful insight into it. And that's kind of a mark of Thomas's humility, too. He didn't just say, here's what I think. <laughs> he wanted to point out what the other great fathers and doctors had, had thought and taught. So that's a, that's a really great way to, to... I've been trying to work on Lexio Divina, and mm-hmm. sometimes I need a little, a little insight that's not, not coming from my own poor intellect. And that's a great resource. So I... I don't get any. Uh, I don't get anything for this, but I'd recommend IPA Ta to your list. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I'm gonna. I'm gonna download that app. I would love that. Yeah, you know, you know, Brian. When I first was, I had a reversion to the mm-hmm. faith about 23 years ago, mm-hmm. and when I and I was blessed to have a very holy spiritual director, and he was he had been a Trappist monk for 17 years before the Lord called him out to uh, be a diocesan priest, and he had studied the Biblicum in Rome, and so he knew a lot about prayer, but when he saw that, you know, the Lord had touched me, and I had really had a, a conversion of heart, and a metanoia experience, and mm-hmm. I thought, um, I was so eager for spiritual direction, and he said to me something that was has helped me, and I will never forget, and I share this with all the listeners. He said, let the liturgy form and fashion you. Yes. The Church is your mother, and the liturgy, if you pay attention at the Mass, and of course he knew that I was, um, I had started going to daily Mass, and if you go to daily Mass, or as Mass as often as possible, um, you know, the liturgy will form and fashion you, and you said how you talked about Lexio Divina or the Daily Gospel, you know, I think many of the listeners probably subscribe to the beautiful Magnificat. Yes. Um, uh, daily missile, and that's very helpful. But all of this, really, you know, Brian, I have to say that if I, with the culture being what it is, if I was going to Mass only on Sunday, I just don't know that I would survive <laughs> with right. my faith. 
intact. Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot to try to uh, be absorbed in the Catholic thought and blessing each day, right? That, that's so true, and I think of something Scott Hahn said when he first went to a, a Catholic Mass. He was struck at how scriptural it was, too. Mm-hmm. There's so much of scripture in the, in the Mass, and especially in the readings, working our way through the rich treasury of divine revelation. And, and you miss out a lot if you only go Sunday. Right. Well, and you know that uh, I always say this: we're we're evangelized every day by the culture, the, by the spirit of the world. And yeah. you know, I, I do a lot of ministry with priests in the area of healing and deliverance, and there's a lot of spiritual warfare out there. And so, you know, Holy Mother Church is a good mother, and um, by her liturgy, by the prayers of the church and praying the liturgy, the hours, um, you know, we can be protected, we can keep that spiritual armor that Paul talks about on, and um, and then, you know, be what we're called to be, right? That's true. That's so true. That's so true. Can I tell just a couple of stories about St. Thomas? Because I think he's really a, a saint for our day in a lot of ways. Yes, And please. one thing is that he... Um, <sighs> Ideas really matter. For good or for ill, mm-hmm. ideas really matter. You're talking about being evangelized every day by the culture of death. It's all around us. There are strong and powerful ideas pulling us in a negative direction, strong and powerful ideas that need to pull us in a positive direction. And one of the, one of the really strong ideas is that the nature that God created, the physical world around us, is good. It's a tremendous good. And Pope John Paul II really tried to to dwell on that with his uh, Wednesday reflections in the theology of the body. But St. Thomas is really a bedrock for that. He understood that nature is a revelation from God, and he thought very carefully about that. And today we're faced with a lot of challenges having to do with an inability to grasp the goodness of nature. So how do you tell people um, you're really not supposed to use contraception? I mean, abortion is more obvious, but it's harder for people to see contraception. What about homosexual marriage? How do you really treat those topics if you don't have a kind of thorough appreciation for the beauty of nature and the way things are supposed to be? So I I see that in St. Thomas there's a real resource uh, and it's worth turning to him and reflecting on his his treatment of nature. But just a story. When he was a young man, he um, he found the call to not just the priesthood, but to a new order, the order of preachers, also known as the Dominicans. And his family didn't mind if he was going to be a priest. They wanted him to be the abbot of the local monastery, which was a prestigious position and would help them maintain control. But he said, no, I want to I go for this fledgling order. I feel called to it. And so his mother was unhappy, and his brothers kidnapped him. And they locked him in a tower, and they said, we're going to keep you here until you agree to let go of this foolish business about becoming a Dominican. And he you know, knew where his hope and help was, so he just prayed to the Lord and continued his studies and they got very frustrated over time. And they, uh, they decided that 
in desperation, they were going to send in a prostitute to seduce him. He was a very young man. And um, so they did this with a view they would rather corrupt him than see him pursue this design of becoming a Dominican priest. And um, anyway, they thought they were really clever, but the moment she walked in the door, he grabbed a, a burning log out of the fire and chased her out, <laughs> chased her from the room, um, you know, but it was a challenge for him. You know, there, there are temptations right. in this world. He, he chased her out, and with the, the blackened end of the log, he drew a cross on the wall, and he collapsed. And uh, at that point, uh, two angels came, and they tied a cord around his waist, and they said that they would support him always in in uh, his chastity. And so after that, he never faced the same difficulties. His brothers had to give up. They had tried everything they could, and he went on to become a great Dominican. But St. Thomas is especially a patron of chastity. And in, that, in my book, that makes him a saint for our times. Oh, absolutely. And if I could put a plug in again, uh, you know, I don't get anything for this, but uh, there's a wonderful confraternity called the Angelic Warfare Confraternity. And they have a website, too. I think it's www.angelicwarfareconfraternity.org. And if you, if you join this confraternity, you, you say prayers every day, and your prayers join with every other member throughout the world, and you pray for each other. You pray for each other to support each other in pursuit of a chaste life. And if you can live a chaste life, that makes so much possible in this world, because that's really the beginning. Uh, As Catholics, it's not just all about uh, doing the right thing and not doing the right thing. It's all about loving God, but you can love Him more properly as you lead the moral life. So for all our our young people who are trapped in a culture that just uh, attacks them daily the way Thomas's brothers attacked him, uh, this is a great source of, of strength. So uh, there's Angelic Warfare Confraternity, and barring that, just St. Thomas is a good friend to have in that regard. Well, it's uh, so beautiful that you brought that up, because I'm actually a member of that confraternity. Oh, wonderful. Me too. It, yes. <laughs> and, and I do agree. I think it's a very, it's a grace for our day. And when you were sharing how they, um, the angels came and tied a cord around his waist, you know, I, when I was invested into the confraternity, I was working at Mundelein Seminary. I was at a conference there, and, um, and you know, in the invested, they gave us a cord to wear as something yeah. that we, would remind us, you know, of the, chase, of the beauty of the chaste life every day. And, yeah. and it is very beautiful, um, and it was a Dominican priest uh, that that um, invested several of us that were at that conference. So it is a very powerful. I do recommend it to all of the listeners, and it's, a, again, the website is Angelic Warfare Confraternity. It's a beautiful, yeah. beautiful confraternity. Yeah. I'm so delighted that your students, your campus, uh, are, is aware of, of all that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and we have a Dominican priest on campus, too, so we can, our chaplains can, uh, can enroll our students. That's wonderful. Oh, he can. Okay. 
So, oh, wonderful. What a wonderful resource. There's a lot of resources that can really help us in that, in the good fight that we have every single day. So I really yeah. uh, thank you for sharing. Would you like to share any other stories? I mean, there's so much that could be said about about St. Thomas Aquinas and um, is there... It, Please, I, I would, if I could. I, I love telling these stories. Yes, please. He was, um, you know, known as the most brilliant scholar of his day, and possibly, you know, in the history of the world. But he he was so very humble. Um, there's a wonderful story. I mean, he was he was recognized. Popes would call on him and ask for his help, ask him to go to this conference or that conference. But one time he was um, he was just at at a Dominican monastery. And there was a visiting friar who needed a hand, and so he asked the prior. He said, "I need a hand. I need somebody to show me around because I'm a stranger here." And the prior said, "Okay, just grab grab the first one you see and tell them that I said you were they were supposed to show you around." So he um, he went out and he happened to see Saint Thomas, and he didn't recognize him. He said, "Hey, you." The prior says that I should I should grab you and that you have to show me around. And St. Thomas immediately said, okay, yes, yes, I'd be happy to. And he had a bad leg, and so it was difficult for him to walk. But he struggled as best he could, and this, this poor friar who didn't recognize him uh, got impatient and scolded him for not walking fast enough, and he said, I'll try to do better. And so he's walking around bossing St. Thomas around, and uh, one of the other... One of the other friars said, do you know who that is? <laughs> no, who is that? And he said, that's Friar Thomas. And he about fell over. Oh. He turned to St. Thomas to beg forgiveness. And, and he, he just said, there's no forgiveness necessary. I mean, uh, Christ served us, and we should be willing to serve each other at the drop of a hat. So um, he, was, he was one of the wisest men. He loved the life of learning. He would get lost in contemplation, but he he was in love with doing God's will. And if that meant a complete change of pace, if that meant uh, somebody berating him for not walking fast enough, he would just go with that because that's what the Lord wanted him to do at the moment. So I thought that was a neat story to express <laughs> something of his uh, charming innocence and humility, really his wonderful humility. And... Um, you know, just another story. When when um, whenever there was lightning, he would become terrified, just like a little child. But what would he do? He would he would go and lay his head on the tabernacle. Um, he knew he knew who to turn to in moments of distress, and he would he would just pray to our Lord. And uh, you know, he was also somebody who would study. He would read. He would work hard. But when he really needed to learn something, he would close the book, and he would pray, and he would fast, and he would beg God to just make it clear to him. And his secretary tells a great story about one particularly tough passage from Isaiah. He couldn't figure it out. He couldn't figure it out. He fasted. He prayed. He fasted. He prayed. And one night, he was up later than usual, and the secretary could hear him talking in his cell but he couldn't see in. And so the next day, St. Thomas said, listen, I've got the answer. Would you write it down for me? And he said, okay, but what was going on last night? He said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I heard you talking to some people. He said, oh, that doesn't matter. He said, we've got the answer. And his secretary pressed him, and he finally admitted that because he had asked God's help so earnestly, God sent St. Peter and Paul to, to explain it to him. 
So I thought, <laughs> that explains a lot as to why <laughs> Thomas was able to make as much progress as he was. He had a little bit of help. Yes, he did. That's a lot of help. <laughs> That's a lot of help. <laughs> Well, prayer and fasting, that's a testimony to the power of prayer and fasting there. And sanctity, right? (laughs) Sanctity is praise to be in God's good graces. That's right. And what's beautiful is, you know, that wasn't given just to St. Thomas for that moment in time, but for each and every one of us now. I mean, for generations, we've been tapping into the wisdom of St. Thomas and to to all that he is. Uh, deposited into the faith and the graces and lights that he has given us. Um, Can you tell the story? I'm always, I love the story towards the end of his life when he had that uh, experience about after he had, um, he was writing and yes, can you share that? Oh yeah, that's a, that's a great story. And just a quick kicker before it, when, when he Uh finished writing about, about the incarnation, he, he went to our Lord in prayer and he said, uh, you know, Lord, I love you, and uh, I, I wrote what I wrote. I hope it was good. And our Lord spoke to him from the cross and said, you have written well of me, Thomas. What, what do you desire? And Thomas's answer was, nothing but you. Nothing but you. And very late in his life, it was St. Nicholas Day, so December 6th, 1273, and I think he was to die less than a year later, um, he had some kind of mystical experience. And when he was finished with that, he just put down his pen. He had no desire to write anything else. His great work, the Summa Theologiae, wasn't finished, and he just stopped writing. And they said, "Why why are you stopping? And he said, after what I have seen, after what I have seen, everything that I've written seems like straw. Now, he wrote some of the most sublime things in history, but it all seemed like straw as opposed to the reality that was shown to him. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Do we know what he saw? We, we don't know for sure, and it's really funny to listen to scholars talk about it. Some of them say maybe he had a stroke or something like that, but oh it's really hard for me to fit that to that right. wonderful saying that... that he compared what he had seen to what he had written, and he saw that the reality was so much more beautiful than the words that were trying to capture the reality. And that what he asked for from our Lord, imagine. I mean, what humility, and I mean, how connected he was in that, when the Lord gave him that opportunity to ask, and he said, only you. Only and you. Only you. And I mean, really, you know, I was... I was leading a retreat recently, and I said to the retreatants at the end, I said, it really is about, we've got to bring everything back to Christ. We have to, people are making our faith about so many other things, and uh, but we have to bring it back to the core, and, and to Christ, and to that relationship with Him, and, and um, obedience to His church, and so only you, I mean, what a beautiful, what a beautiful soul, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and the Dominicans have. I'm so blessed by so many good Dominicans that I know, and so um, you have Dominicans on on campus. Do you have more than one, or no? We we only have one right now. Uh, we've had one for the most part over the past ten years or so. We've been very blessed. Uh, the Dominican we have right now is uh, from the Polish province, oh. and so uh, we're we're really blessed to have an international Dominican. So he's. He's from a place that's a little bit closer to, to St. Thomas's birthplace. 
Yes, yes. Well, we're getting close to the end of our program. These programs go by so quickly, and it's been delightful, Dr. Bryan, to have you as a guest, and everything that you've shared has just been an inspiration. And in these last few minutes of the program, I would just ask, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners, either about our saints that we're talking about or the college or uh, anything else that Lord has put on your heart? Yeah, one thing I would I would like to say is um, that we all have to stick together uh, in this time. Uh, there are trials that face all of us. Uh, we'll pray for all of you, and we ask for your prayers. Uh, right now, the college is um, under the threat of the HHS mandate, mm-hmm. and we uh, we fought it with a lawsuit, and we were granted a permanent injunction by a, a judge that was um, not very inclined to be friendly. And we thought that has to be because of the St. Michael prayer that we say at Mass every day, asking for God's assistance. Uh, but the, um, the administration has chosen to appeal the permanent injunction that was granted to us. Mm. So we are under, under threat, and we would ask all of your listeners to please pray for us. Uh, that we can be granted protection uh, for our religious liberties. And also at this time, pray for all institutions that are under assault. Um, there's, there's so much that's going on to try to undermine uh, the purity and integrity of our Catholic institutions. So let's pray for each other at this time. Absolutely. Would you please uh, lead us in a closing prayer then? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. As we close today, Lord, we ask you to bless the young people, bring them to you. And I close with a prayer written by St. Thomas Aquinas to Our Lady. Virgin, full of goodness, Mother of mercy, I entrust to you my body and my soul, my thoughts and my actions, my life and my death. O my Queen, Come to my aid and deliver me from the snares of the devil. Obtain for me the grace of loving my Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, with a true and perfect love, and after him, O Mary, of loving you with all my heart and above all things. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What a beautiful prayer. Can that be found on your website? You know, I'm not sure. I, I Maybe we should put it up there. It's a really it's, good one. It's a very beautiful prayer. Well, once again, Dr. Brian Kelly, I want to thank you so much for taking time, especially since you thought it was going to be 2015 that we were doing this uh, interview. <laughs> maybe you'll have to come back next time on the eve of the of the feast, and we'll and we'll revisit one another. But be assured that we will we will take your prayer intention uh, regarding the HHS mandate to heart and keep you in prayers. I know it's so important. And um, dear Radio Maria friends, I want to thank you uh, for listening. I'd like you to. Be sure to visit uh, Thomas Aquinas' website. It's at www.thomasaquinas.edu. It's a beautiful website, very inspiring. And uh, until we meet again in next week, know that we will continue to pray for you at Daily Mass and Adoration, and I ask your prayers as well. Until then, may God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Brian. Mm-hmm.